Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we dissect all kinds of different types of performance and sport, ranging from, you know, the most casual game of ultimate frisbee in your backyard to what it takes to win a mountain bike world championship title. Uh, Just a hint about today's episode. Uh, For those of you who are new to the show, I'm Molly Herford. I write books about cycling and kind of all different types of nutrition and fitness content. I run theoutdooredit.com and I also run in general. I've recently taken up ultra running as a addition to my cycling, running, triathlete background. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm Molly's co-host and I'm a registered kinesiologist and endurance coach. And today we're recording this in Ontario, where we normally live, but as I tweeted out before, this is the 24 hours uh, that I've had at home in the last week, and the next, uh, in 12 hours, I head out again and gone for another week, heading to Interbike in Reno, I'll be out for Reno Cross, then heading to Madison for the Waterloo World Cup at Trek Headquarters. So super excited. I feel like Interbike to me is like back to school. I've probably done it, I think, eight years now. And every time it really does feel like the start of the school year. Interbike is a trade show for the industry of cycling. Yes. Uh, And since I graduated college, basically I've been writing for different cycling publications. So yeah, even in my first job at Cyclocross Magazine, I was out there and looking at the new Cyclocross gear and shifted to bicycling where I was out there looking at all different types of gear and this year I'm sort of going for a few different reasons Uh, and I'm really stoked to see you know what the new stuff is especially in women's cycling I actually had a few questions at our talk in DC last week about brands that are doing women's apparel and you know who's doing this type of thing in women's apparel or you know who's making a bike that does this so I'm kind of excited to be able to try to find those answers yeah, I think it's a big push. I saw Trex sort of put in some new stuff and tweaked their wording on a few things. And mm-hmm. and then e-bikes, I think, are going to be basically everything will be e-bikes. Oh, I know, which I'm pretty moderate about. My dad and I, actually, we went out on a bit of a birthday ride for him this weekend. So I ran 10 miles while he rode next to me. And uh, we got really grumpy about e-bikes on the bike path. There were some people who just didn't seem to really be in control of their bikes, to be totally honest, um, and probably shouldn't have been on a bike path that was full of children and dogs and all of that. So it's hard to it's hard to say, right? It's going to open up cycling to a lot of people, but then you know everyone's had to learn to ride a bike, right? And you know the nice thing about bikes is it's somewhat self-limiting. Obviously, if you get on a hill or something and you're going really fast, you don't know how to use the brakes. It's dangerous, but you know, most people just sort of fall over to the side. But, you know, if you're falling over going much faster than you might otherwise have gotten going, right? It's It could be tough. Yeah, exactly. Um, but speaking of uh, cyclists who are going really freaking fast, I'm super excited that today's guest is Kate Courtney. And for those of you who've been living under a rock for the last 10 days... Uh, Kate just took the win at UCI Mountain Bike World Championships. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the city that it was in. You're not going to try either? Isn't it like Lyserhide? Lyserhide or something? Yeah, see, I did try. I should know how to pronounce it. Apologies to the entire country. Anyway, (laughs) Kate's ride was 
amazing. Uh, she's only 22 years old. This was her first year racing in the elites. Uh, she actually was second at uh, the U23 World Championships last year. Uh, races for Specialized, Red Bull Athlete, Taco Lover, California Native, uh, and just really wicked fun to talk to, I have to admit. Um, and before we kind of talk a little bit about what she and I chatted about, I'm going to warn people. She was in Europe. I was in a closet at the Rafa store in D.C., um, so the audio quality is a little dubious. Her phone was cutting in and out. We had to try a couple different methods to keep her on the line, but I think she had so much really valuable information that even though the audio isn't a hundred percent perfect, I really wanted to put this episode out. Yeah. She was sort of going to marathon world. Didn't see yeah. how any of that went. Did you see any marathon worlds? I didn't mm-hmm. actually. But I know she was, yeah, she was in her final prep for that. And I asked her, you know, why the heck she's doing Marathon Worlds after this insane race. And she's like, well, I already committed to it. I'm here. I have a bike. I feel pretty good. It's like, that's fair. It's an odd thing, right? Like everyone thinks, you know, you're climbing this mountain to like the peak, right? But it's pretty dangerous if you don't have something else after. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty awesome. It shows sort of maybe her maturity as an athlete that, you know, it's, you know, you enjoy it for a day or two and, you know, you can enjoy it for the whole season with the, your world championship stripes, but you know, you sort of have to have what's next, what's the next plan. Um, and I'm sure she'll take some off time and w- once that season comes, but I loved her off time. So I asked her about this and she said she might take a couple of weeks off the bike because she really sucks at recovery riding, which is a feeling that I can completely understand. But even then she was like, yeah, I think my brother and I are going to go on like a several day backpacking trip. Uh, and she's got all these other great, her idea of an off season is just a ton of adventure riding with friends, which sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she's, she's just got a really awesome, you know, story advice. We talk a bit about, you know, her advice for younger riders who are just kind of starting to get into it. A lot of stuff about learning bike skills and really focusing on that. And if you watch the replay of the race, which we'll put in the show notes, you can really see that her skill, in addition to her speed, is what got her that title. There I mean, the... she definitely won. Like, she sort of got dropped on the climb, right? And then in the second half of the lap, there was a sort of undulating, like, off-camber thing, right? Mm-hmm. And she got back. However, we talked about that, and it turns out, if you look at the numbers, her last lap was actually her fastest lap. And she said on the hill, she was very aware that she was getting dropped, but she actually wasn't quite as maybe pinned as it appeared on the video. Um, She was sticking to a plan that she had as far as what she wanted her numbers and feeling and stuff to be at that point. Uh, And she knew she actually had a lot of downhill and a lot of technical space to close that gap in the last half. So it's a bit of a gamble, of course, to let anyone go. I mean, I think Annika had a few seconds in front of her after that section. So it's a gamble, but it definitely paid off. Yeah. So yeah, really impressive race. I highly recommend watching it uh, if you haven't already. But then we talk about what goes into that, what her training has changed to over the last few years. Uh, Really, I think the key thing here is that there haven't been any dramatic, drastic changes. Uh, she's been very consistent and making, you know, slight tweaks with her coach to kind of gradually keep progressing. And, you know, we're seeing that progression 
working. Yeah, it definitely seems to be a common theme, right? Like people that are able to just sort of keep plugging away and stick with it. And, you know, we're so, so easy to throw everything out and try and try something else completely different, but never, you know, stick with a process, knowing that the process is going to go in the wrong direction, slightly to the left and slightly to the right. But, you know, if you're trending towards that, at least you're getting information. Whereas if you start, you know, whole new way of training a whole new way of you know it's it's almost set you back and sometimes you have to you know what is that called go burn back. it to the ground i'm not, not even go back to the drawing board but you know i guess you're throwing your baby out with the bath water Ugh. so generally you don't have to do that yeah exactly and i think we see this a lot with um masters athletes and I, even with some young athletes who are struggling um if you're not having these really dramatic increases and stuff, it can be really frustrating and it's really tempting to try kind of a crazy new training thing or crazy diet or any number of things like that to have a dramatic it's makeover really montage. Yeah, and I refer people a lot to like the Steven Seiler, um, what is that called? Pyramid. No, it's like a pyramid. We're going to call it hierarchy theme, of hierarchy needs. of need. Yeah. I'm going to call it his pyramid of greatness. So anyhow, it's like, it starts with like a lot of riding, mm-hmm. you know, um, Kate's got that. Yes. And that's, that's really it, right? Like, and that's before you get to any sort of crazy nutrition or crazy high intensity intervals or altitude or anything like that. Right. Like it's, you just got to go and ride. And, you know, I just sent an email to a parent, you know, asking, you know, the younger teenage person, um, you know what? It's finding a group of people you like riding with, you know, finding resources and then just putting in that time. Right. And it might not be it's not that it has to be this perfect training regimen and the best coach even. Right. Like it's a lot of the best youth programs are, you know, and I think probably Kate would agree. You know, you get in with a group and you just ride a lot. Right. She said a lot of her success, especially in early years, is attributed to the fact that she grew up right near like Mount Tam and Marin and San Francisco. Yeah. So like the birthplace of mountain biking. Tons of great people around there to ride with, you know, kind of year round. So she's always had fantastic people to train with and push her and have fun with and play on bikes with. Um, And then I'll just say before we get into it, her nutrition made me so happy because it's so reasonable and simple there's nothing kooky. It's just good, solid, simple. Yeah, and I think the the nice, you know, she's written an article for Cycling Tips, which we'll link to. Um, but yeah, she ta- she acknowledges though that there are those temptations and yeah. there the pressures on body weight and power to weight and you know female athlete you know mindset. So I, I hope that was a interesting part. Yeah, definitely yeah. was good. Awesome. All right, let's dive in. Enjoy this talk with new world champion, Kate Courtney. Has world championships sunk in for you yet? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a few days, but, um, but you know, it was a really spectacular race. It was a really um, amazing environment racing in Lanzajara with so many fans and also my family there. So I want to talk about worlds. I mean, First of all, was it your, was it on your list of goals? Like, did you have a vision board that was like, I'm going to win world championships this year? Or was that kind of a huge shock when you realized you were in that front group? Yeah. If you want to know it was on my vision board, it was top 10 at world championships. So <laughs> I think I reached that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Check. No, yeah, I think this year has really been one of a lot of learning for me. And I think 
Um, the cool thing about being new to the field is that you don't really know what to expect. And so I think I went into every race kind of like, okay, I hope I can improve and, and focus on my strengths and weaknesses and what I can do better. Um, and I think, you know, throughout the World Cup season, I started to get closer and closer to that front group. And um, my philosophy was like, if I keep going out hard, if I keep making that front group, like someday I'll stick. Uh, and, you know, at World, the world would suck. <laughs> Yeah, and it seems like it wasn't necessarily just, like, speed. So, for example, in that last lap, uh, Annika actually gapped you on the hill, but then you got her in the technical section. Have you been really focusing on skills and stuff like that over the season? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a it's a confluence of a lot of things. Um, I think I was just talking to my dad about that last lap and, um, and my my power numbers were like the best on that lap. I had had my fastest lap of the day. Um, and I think that's a, a couple of things. One, I, I studied the course a lot. So mm-hmm. a lot of um, a lot of people see that one climb as a definitive moment. And, and I did too. At the moment, I was like, okay, just keep going. Maybe she'll get a flat. Um, <laughs> but but um, for me, I think I trained really hard knowing that it was going to be about within your comfort zone and staying within the numbers that I could do, staying uh, within my own pace. Um, and I, I trained, you know, really specifically for this race. So that's one part of it. I think technically I spent a lot of time on the course with lines. Um, but I also, you know, I ate really well throughout the race. I was really mentally focused and I, I stayed within my goal. So um, I think it wasn't so much about just technical skill. It was more about uh, the fact that I tapped it back a little bit on that climb gave me more energy um, for the last half of the lap. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had recovered on the descent and, and could pedal over all those routes. And I think that's actually, um, while it looks like you're just kind of like cruising in, it's it's a super physically demanding part of the course. Um, and so I think having all those all those things add up uh, gave me a little extra, extra punch at the end. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to the first lap of the race when you realize suddenly that it's you, Annika and Emily and a pretty big gap to fourth. What was going through your head? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a funny thing. I think in my best races, I'm always just really focused on the moment. Um, and I think a lot of my races this year prepared me for that, especially, uh, Monsignor where I was, you know, third on the, second to last lap and then got a flat and crashed and ended up getting six. Uh, I think experiences like that teach you that it's really not over till it's over and you have to just focus on doing the best you can in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really tried not to focus on positioning. I just focused on, you know, executing my race plan and to have it all come together at the end was a, was a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah, for sure. And this is your first year racing in the elite women. So heading into the season, had you done anything different in training or are you just kind of on that same, you know, training plan and just progressively adding bits and pieces? Yeah, I think, you know, there were definitely some changes this year. I uh, graduated in the fall, so I, I didn't have school after December of um, this past year, which, which definitely made a difference to what I was able to withstand in training. Um, and also my coach really identified this year as a huge development year. Um, and he pushed me to do the Cape <laughs> Epic, which 
sounded like an insane idea at the beginning of the season. Um, but I think ended up being a really, really good challenge for me. And even just mentally, like having a goal like that to train for and prepare for, um, really pushed me physically and, and I think laid the foundation for a really good season, albeit one where I needed some breaks and, and had to kind of adjust my volume and, and training based on, um, you know, kind of having some new opportunities and, and not being in school. So I think it, it all came together, which was really awesome. But I think if you, if you ask my coach, he probably had this decision in mind all along. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, you mentioned fueling during world championships, and I really wanted to talk to you about fueling because you've written really great stuff about nutrition and body image. And, you know, I think it's just so important, especially for a young racer, to be able to remind people that, you know, eating on the bike and then eating properly off the bike is, you know, mm-hmm. really important. So you have this one great quote where you say, um, I also found it really interesting that eating a lot more on the ride reduced my consumption of unhealthy food for the day. So when did you kind of actually start figuring that out? Yeah. So I think, um, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. You're good. Yeah, you can. Okay. Sorry. European, European Wi-Fi is really getting us. Um, yeah, I think for me, my you know thoughts on nutrition have really changed in the past few years. I've been paying a lot more attention to it and have really uh, taken ownership of that process a little bit more and also worked with a really amazing uh, nutritionist. Um, and for me, I think especially going into worlds, like it, it is a time of year where you're really sharpening the swords and, uh, and trying to be at your absolute peak. And for me, that meant um, really paying attention to how I was feeling on the bike, but also, uh, you know, I didn't have dessert for a few weeks before world. So that was something I was really looking forward to afterwards. Um, <laughs> so, so wait, what, I what think, did you have after Worlds? What was the dessert? Oh, I had two scoops of ice cream. It was very exciting for me. <laughs> I think I was a little bit cracked at that point, but, uh, but yeah, a little ice cream, a little champagne, that is all I really wanted. Um, and for me, I think, you know, it's not that you need to be super, super restrictive or not think about it at all. I think it's really about finding that moderate balance. So for me, that means like, yeah, there is a time in the year where maybe I'm on, I call it my world's diet. Um, and, and that really, it wasn't extreme. It was just kind of really paying attention to what I was eating, making sure I was eating healthy, good food and feeling for my rides and like, I knew that in the weeks leading up to Worlds, I couldn't afford to balk on rides and, like, not uh, train as well as I could have if I'd feel differently. So it's about paying attention. Um, but I think also, you know, the flip side of it is, yeah, if you're if you're really preparing for a key event, you know, I'm not having a glass of wine every night and eating dessert. And I think, you know, being willing to also make those choices and, and to think critically about what is the best way to feel your body um, can help you find a balance. Yeah, for sure. So during that lead up to Worlds, what would a typical like breakfast look like for you? What's your go-to? Yeah, breakfast. Um, well, if it's a hard day, I'm eating waffles. Yeah. So that's like, if I'm eating waffles, like something's about to go down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I really hard is, like that's a good indicator. Um but, yeah, on the on the other days, I'm a big, like, avocado-toasted egg person. Um, 
So if those are like a recovery day, for example, I would have like gluten-free bread and eggs or, or something that maybe has a little less carbs because I, I don't need as much fuel. Um, but then on those days when I'm, I'm really training hard, like we, I'm just like, body, I'll give you whatever you need to get this workout done. Work with me here. Have your waffles. And then we're going to have a hard time. Post-ride meals. What is your go-to? Yeah, I mean, as you may have guessed from my Instagram, uh, tacos are one of my favorites. Yes. But there is a reason. I, they're a really good post-ride fuel. And uh, so I'm gluten-free, which makes a lot of kind of eating out options a little bit more challenging. Um, but tacos are usually in corn tortillas. So it's like a pretty reliable gluten-free option um and that's that's some carbs then you have uh like usually i get them with meat so you're getting some protein put some avocado on it get some healthy fat so it's a really good like well-rounded thing and i think it also just um has been kind of a tradition of like go for a big mountain bike ride come home and eat tacos or like go to the taco shop and i think there's like a cool uh cultural part of it where you know ever since I grew up mountain biking, like it's been a fun thing that we've done after rides. So, uh, so that's probably my go-to. That's, I love that. And it's funny. That's actually kind of what I'm supposed to be focusing on for bicycling is your, your taco habit. So very important question, (laughs) soft or hard shell? Soft. Okay. Favorite kind of, uh, favorite kind of filling. (laughs) Um, I really like chicken. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Or tacos al pastor. Perfect. Uh, Those are probably nice. Yeah. Favorite uh, favorite toppings. What goes on top of the chicken? Avocado. <laughs> like, I love avocado. Um, but also, yeah, like I really like hot salsa. I'm a big hot salsa fan. All right. Um, favorite place to get tacos wherever they're available. No. <laughs> um, I'd say there's a taco shop just on the street from where I live and uh, and we've gone there. I wrote I wrote a taco blog article on it called Sancho's. Um, but they have really good fresh tacos and it's cool when you have lived in a place to live and have a shop nearby or like a traditional thing. It's it's always where we go now after like really, really brutal huge rides. So I have a lot of memories of like big five, six hour adventure rides and then eating a lot of tacos there. So it's always a fun spot. Okay, this is like my very important question. Do you have any tips on how to eat a taco without making a ridiculous mess? Ooh, I'm not your girl on that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just make a ridiculous mess. That's that's fair. Yeah, I think that's that's, a little bit of a a goon when it comes to that I'll probably like spell some stuff I don't I, don't, I actually think this is going to be a problem uh, with my white jersey next year so oh yeah stay tuned yeah if Clorox wants to sponsor me that'd be great I was going <laughs> to say next year we're going to have to redo this with like what kind of tied pen are you using to get out the salsa stains um, yeah I mean absolutely yeah like and- I'm going to have a problem I can't be trusted to wear white <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they can make you like a special taco proof one where there's like a plastic sheeting down the front of it or something. It'll be like windproof. Really good for the well, winter. Well, you need to work on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 
my mechanical tell you, Brad will tell you, I'm always like very close to being pro, but like a little like there's something off. Like if you know me, like my helmet strap twisted, or like I'm like trying to look pro, but then there's like salsa on my jersey, you know. So yep. hopefully I can I can get that together next year. <laughs> I think I think anytime you're wearing the rainbow stripes, you just kind of naturally look pro as hell. So I think you're gonna be just fine. <laughs> Uh, and then the last I'll, taco, I'll the last taco making question. Do you have any tips on how to make the perfect taco? Any like ratios you swear Ooh. by, or favorite brand of shells, anything like that? Well, we did try to make corn tortillas. This is something that maybe is going to be a fall project, so I'll, I'll report back on how that goes. Ooh, yeah, uh, it's actually pretty easy in theory. I may need some more. Um, In theory. I think, like, in terms of what we pass as a taco, like, I just always have tortillas at home and, like, really would put just after a long bike ride, anything goes. I've had, like, sweet potato, egg, random leftover stuffed tacos. Uh, And I don't know if they, like, really qualify, but but I I think anything could be a taco. I like that. (laughs) I really like the sweet potato in the taco. It's really good for when you really yeah, need a lot of carbs, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or like breakfast tacos, really, really can't go wrong. Awesome. Uh, okay, so kind of going away from nutrition and getting into strength training, because earlier this year you Instagrammed a bunch about strength training and balance work and stuff like that. Was that a big part of your routine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, you know, the majority of training I do is on the bike. So, like, that's definitely the, the important stuff. And we always optimize for um, those hard sessions. But I do a lot of strength training, uh, usually, like, three days in a week in the fall. And then two, and then occasionally one um, in the spring. But but throughout the race season, I'll be doing strength workouts. And then also, you know, yoga is a thing that I incorporate hopefully a couple times a week. Although, um yeah, it's definitely a balance to find a time to, like, schedule everything in and, and bike workouts always come first. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so when you're strength training, do you have a couple of favorite lifts that you actually enjoy doing or love to hate, I guess? Um, I think it's, it's just fun to challenge yourself in a different way. So I actually like kind of mixing it up and trying new stuff. And the thing that's cool about being in the gym, especially if you're like for me in the fall, I'll restart strength training and I started pretty low level. So every week, like I see a lot of progress. Um, so for me, like the box jumps are a good example. You know, I'm, I'm not a basketball player. I'm, I don't have a lot of height there, but it was <laughs> something that I could see a huge improvement in every week. Um, Cause it's, it's different than what I do on the bike. And I feel that way about pull-ups too. It was like, uh, you know, having the pull-up, like how many pull-ups can you do? Um, at the beginning of the year, I come off of, you know, six months of racing my bike and I can do like two. Uh, so it's something that I can really work towards and, and make progress in. And it's cool to see um, those kinds of changes in something other than just pedaling faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pull-ups are like the one thing that just makes me feel the most badass. Don't know why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You just feel like you could take on the world. Um, And kind of on that note, uh, 
the topic of taking on the world. I mean, you just graduated from Stanford. How the heck were you balancing college with racing at the level you've been racing at? Yeah, I, I, I will say I've been enjoying my postgraduate lifestyle a lot more. Yeah. Um, although there were some, some really special things about being a student athlete. And I think for me, looking back, like I would not change a thing. Um, I had, you know, something to really keep me grounded and, and make me um, really diligent. Like I had to stay on top of things and plan ahead of time and, and really be confident uh, in what I was doing and, and do it with my whole heart because, if you didn't, uh, there wouldn't be time to get it all done. <laughs> so I think um, it was definitely a challenge. And I think by the end of school, I was, I was feeling ready for a break and, and a little bit more time to focus on training and, and mostly focus on recovery. But I'm also really grateful for uh, the experience I have in school. And I think it's something that's super important um, and, and really changes kind of your worldview. I think having a college education and, and trying to be a professional athlete, I have a different perspective. And also um, I just feel, I don't know, at some point you can't be a bike racer forever. And I think that level of like security that, oh, okay, I have this other thing. There's, there's another dimension of my life. Um, it really provides a little bit of um, a, a like grounding force. And it also reminds you that, the world doesn't completely revolve around cycling. So if I have a bad race or a bad day, I, I kind of have um, that feeling of have, having more dimension. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so mentioning the more time for recovery, have you found since you graduated, are you adding more, more hours of sleep? Are you doing meditation? Anything like that? Like what got added in? Yeah, I think a lot of it was just more time for things I was already doing. Um, I definitely have a daily teaching practice, but I think when I was in school, there were, were times where I was on and off, where that's been really consistent. Um, I think the biggest thing is napping. I'm now yes. a great napper. I've become very proficient in naps. And uh, I think that has made a huge difference in training, but also just in my overall well-being. For you, can you imagine a life where you weren't outside and moving? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, uh, the really cool thing is that I genuinely love riding my bike. Like, if I, if it wasn't my job, I would still ride my bike. Yeah. I think it's really social. It um, makes you feel healthy. And I think mentally for me, it's a huge kind of stress reliever and also just like source of joy in my life. So, um, you know, it is just like a huge part of what makes me happy. And I think at the end, at the end of the day, the fact that I can do it as a job is a really huge gift and not all parts of it are, you know, fun and easy. Um, there's definitely some challenges that come with, you know, trying to compete at the top level, but I can always come back to the fact that I just love riding my bike and, um, you know, even just this week after World Championships, which was a really kind of intense weekend, uh, I'm, I'm here in the Dolomites preparing for Marathon Worlds, and I got to just go right up in the mountains and, and reconnect to why we do this. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings up this other question I was going to ask, which is, you know, most people would be resting on their laurels right now. I, I mean, 
taking a break, taking a vacation, eating all of the food in sight, and you're out <laughs> training for marathon worlds. How does that feel well, right now? I Are you? I, I committed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I committed before I did. Nothing. I think. Uh, no, I think, you know, it's definitely, you know, the day after worlds, I was like, man, this is going to be a little bit brutal. Uh, but now that I'm here, I'm just really excited to have a chance to do something different and to challenge myself in a new way. Um, I think some people are, you know, people always will put pressure on you if you let them. But for me, uh, I think this weekend, actually, there's no pressure. Like, mm-hmm. I, I achieved the goal of my team. It, I didn't even identify it as a goal because my brain hadn't gone that far in terms of possibilities. But, uh, but I achieved one of the biggest goals of my career. Uh, and I think for me, that means that this weekend, I can just go out and focus on doing the best that I can um, and, and not feel the same kind of pressure that I maybe felt last week. Um, and at the end of the day, it'll just be a really hard bike ride to end an awesome season. Yeah. Are you going to have an off season? Are you going to take a break? Most definitely. Okay. Um, I think <laughs> taking breaks is the most, oh, do do not worry. This is this is the end uh, of the season for me uh, after this weekend. But I think that's something I've also learned about um, this year and being out of school is that I, I really uh, require bigger breaks. I think taking a day off doesn't much for me. Um, I I do really well with huge, really hard blocks and, and you know going from one goal to the next. But when it's all said and done, I, I need a lot of time to like reset and recover so for me actually kind of things things worked out in June I had a knee injury and had to take two weeks off the bike um, which was a bigger break than I've ever taken this season but I think it was a huge part of why I was able to finish the season really strong and and feeling mentally and physically really motivated um, for the end of the season so I will definitely be taking a break I'll be spending all the time in Italy eating a lot of food, and then uh, and then headed home to kind of lay low for a while. Nice. And will you actually take, like, a couple weeks off the bike again, or is it going to be more recovery riding style? I'm not great at recovery riding. This <laughs> is something that my coach <laughs> knows about me. Uh, the thing that gets me fired up the most in the fall is, like, claiming huge adventure rides. So mm-hmm. I actually have a really amazing cycling community around me, Um I was just really close to um, Katie Hall and Lily Thomas, and I'm really close to Rin, where a bunch of pro cyclists live, and we just love to go plan these huge, huge rides that actually we don't get to do uh, when we're racing, because you're, you're doing shorter rides and those specific intervals. So um, for me, there'll definitely be a time when I take, I'll take probably two weeks completely off, um, and it's more of a mental break than anything. Because mm-hmm. uh, if I just if I recover to ride every day, I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to ride longer, yeah. and I'm still going through the motions of like cannot you have to eat a certain way. You're still really in the routine, and I think it's important to break that. But but once I take those two weeks off, it'll be super fun long rides and uh, and what I call accidental training, where you just go out and have a lot of fun and, and don't use a lot of mental energy, but get huge mileage. In. Yeah. And other than, I mean, strength training and yoga aside, do you do any other kind of cross training 
or is it just pretty much you bike because that's what you love doing? Because you raced cross-country running, correct? Yeah, I I mostly just bike. <laughs> I love biking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, unfortunately for me, I think I'm pretty injury-prone in terms of running, so my legs can't quite keep up with my heart when I try to run in the off-season, so I try to keep it... Um, Mostly, mostly on the bike, uh, but I think also in the fall, you just have a little bit more flexibility, so I might go backpacking for a few days or um, do some other kinds of trips. Oh, that's awesome. I've recently come to love backpacking. It's it's grown on me, so sounds like a good plan. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think after this trip, I my brother and I are going to go into the woods. I was like, I'm going to use my phone. I'm going to go hike for a while, um, which nice. I think will be, be perfect in my two-week break. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, I mean, obviously, you know, there's tons of young girls that look up to you and, you know, have posters of you on the wall and want to be you when they grow up. So what's your best advice for young girls that either are just starting getting into riding or, you know, want to get on the bike, but are just really nervous about it? What advice would you give them? Um, I'd say one step at a time. I think, uh, you know, it's just about finding something that you love doing and then and then taking it step by step and, and working hard along the way. But um, I sort of came away with uh, the feeling after Worlds that when you start taking things one step at a time, you might, you might not know that you are one step from something really amazing happening and you just have to take it and, and see where you end up. So, yeah, yeah I think that, that would probably be my advice. That's great. And then I think last one on that same line of thinking what about tips for young girls that are they want a mountain bike they think it's awesome but then they're just terrified when there are obstacles that they have to get over or negotiate yeah no I mean that's a really cool thing and if there's obstacles I'm terrified to go over so I definitely connect with that but I think <laughs> um the biggest thing for me is is developing the skill so I think it's easy to go out with someone who's already developed the skill and say oh they can do it and I can't um, but if you take the steps to learn, okay, how do I go off a drop? Like, what do I physically need to do with my body? Where does my weight need to be? And, and get a good teacher. Um, you start to take away some of the fear component because you start to have confidence in your ability. And I think that's the, that's the best way to combat fear is to prepare yourself. That's such good advice. I love that. I think so many girls, you know, see the videos and see the races and stuff and are just like, oh my gosh, they can just do that. And it's like, no, there's years of skills work behind that. Starting with like the tiny drop. Completely, yeah. And I think like drop, yeah, drops are a really good example. Um, you know, at Team USA, we've done a lot of skill camps and we started with really small ones in a parking lot and worked up from there. And you just kind of... Uh, are able to progress over the couple years. And I think that's one of the special things about the sport of mountain biking is there's always kind of that next level you can, can take on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm really glad we got to end on parking lot drills because that's one of like the huge things that I'm <laughs> always telling people to do and no one ever believes me. So now that you I'm said it, good. I get to be like, ha, told you I was right. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I know you have another call now, so I'll let you go. But I'm so glad we finally got to connect. Thank you so much for chatting. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you for your patience. I'm glad. Of I'm course. Glad yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck at Marathon Worlds. We'll be, we'll be cheering for you. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.